This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Episode 92 of the Equalizer podcast. We're coming at you a little bit early this weekend. We've got some bonus content coming up for you during the week. Dan Lawletta and Chelsea Bush. And Chelsea, you and I were just in the cauldron, the wild cauldron of the 8th NWSL draft. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it at the top of the NWSL draft. No, wasn't it? Didn't it end up like every pick was traded? Every, right? well, not today, but every pick was eventually traded. Yeah. But today, two, three, four, five. All three of them twice. <laughs> One of them led to Mallory Pugh moving. The Red Stars traded up, then traded out. The Sky Blue traded down, and then somehow got Mallory Pugh. By the way, we're also now live on Podcast Row in the Baltimore Convention Center. So happy to uh, be coming from you be coming at you from there um, but really what we what like what what's the number one thought as you walked out of the room um i think portland is, is betting a lot on some very young players all right so let's start with portland they made the trade for, with orlando for the number one pick with the basic knowledge that sophia smith would come out and be the number one pick then yeah. all of a sudden and you know meg linehan was embedded to some extent today with Sky Blue FC, and she was getting some like changes in the draft order ahead of everybody else. And she actually tweeted out that the order was what it turned out to be. Yes. And you like couldn't figure out how it possibly got from where we were to where we got. But Portland wound up with the two picks, so they're the first team ever to pick one two. Which is not bad coming from a team that was in the semi, was in the top four teams last year. And every year but one. I actually think it speaks volumes about the Thorns that they're willing to invest in the draft. When you look at teams like Utah, you look at teams like Orlando, although I understand things in Utah might be changing a little bit, they run from the draft. Even Orlando, who moved back up, they traded their first round pick in 2021. I think the fact that the Thorns were willing to say, you know what, we're going to really invest a lot on these and go one, two, I think that said a whole lot about how the Thorns operate. Yeah. And I mean, it's hard to judge, you know, what a roster is going to look like because we all, we don't know just from the draft how many of these players are going to stick around or what the, you know, what the teams are going to do elsewhere. You know, I feel like the Thorns still have needs, um, but so Sophia Smith in particular, I mean, Morgan Weaver's a great player, but I think Sophia Smith is just one you, you couldn't really pass up when you have the opportunity to get her. And she's pretty much scored at every level she's ever been at. Yeah, like all the I youth teams and everything else. I don't think that there's a lot of... She scored against the Thorns, I believe, when they played those U23 preseason games, right? You know, well, when we talked to Mark Parsons after the draft, he had reminded us about that. 
and he said we've never won a game where Sophia Smith was in the game. I don't know if he's exaggerating on that point or not, but that's not that's no easy task. Yeah, I mean, n- nobody thinks that that she's going to have troubles adapting to the next level. And I think not surely when everybody thinks that she's going to be, you know, a senior national teamer, be able to make an impact at the highest level, that everybody's going to be wrong on that. I mean, there, there are some busts out there, but I don't see her being one of them. I think she's going to start for them for day one and, and make an impact right away. And so they're making on a lot of young player. I think she's going to deliver. So it's her and then Morgan Weaver with the number two pick. Now let's see if we can, if, you're, if you didn't follow along. Sky Blue had two and three. Chicago had four and five. They swapped those picks with the only thing that sh- that um, Sky Blue got for giving up the better picks was allocation money. Then the number two pick went to Portland mm-hmm. and more allocation money changed hands and some second round picks later on in the draft, which the Red Stars claim they got the players they were looking for, at least at the positions that they drafted in. So then it was Morgan Weaver. What do you know? if anything about Morgan Weaver. I think she's a solid player. She might take a little bit more adjustment, but again, I, I think she's someone that can come in and, and score at this level, and, and that's what you want. And we were talking last night about how the Thorns don't have a lot of goal scorers yeah. up top. And even the year when Haran was the MVP and they got to the final, I mean, they really got a lot of their goal scoring out of their midfield. They have for most of the Parsons era, and he admitted as much today. Yeah, I, I do think it's interesting, too, because when Sky Blue had that pick, right, we all thought that uh, Ashley Sanchez was going to go number two. She ends up falling to number four and going to Washington. So got that one completely wrong. I, I have to admit to that. Yeah, I and I had said maybe Mallory Pugh for the you number did. two pick. Uh, and, he's and, not lying. He did. And it sort of worked out that way. It wasn't for the number two pick directly. It was but a player I thought that they would get. So then anyway, Orlando comes in now and they get the number three pick of Chicago. So the Red Stars now have the pride first round pick in 2021. I think they got another pick in that draft. I think allocation money was involved in all the trades today. And they got Taylor Korniak and Mark Skinner was gushing about, which I hope so, when you trade up to the the number three pick. It's interesting they traded out of number one and into number three, which was essentially number two because they didn't have Sophia Smith most likely in the draft if they didn't trade out of the number one. Yeah, I was going to say that's you, you can't really look at that and say that well, if they'd gotten stayed with the number one, they would have gotten Sophia Smith. I don't know that she... I asked her if Portland, being the team she was going to go to, played a role in, in her decision to leave school early and go pro. She kind of answered around it. She didn't really say it, but I, I, it was pretty clear that it was. Well, I think if you answer around it, then you're pretty much yeah. agreeing that that's the case. Because it's easy to just say... No, I made the decision a while back to come out and I wanted to play yeah. in the NWSL. So then the number four pick got moved. And that, I mean, that's the, big, that's the big news of the day, honestly, is that Mallory Pugh goes to Sky Blue. I was surprised that we didn't see more actual like, existing players being traded. There's a lot of picks and a lot of allocation money. Very few players to be named later. Yeah, that's true. Rachel Hill, who actually was announced right away, and I believe the other player to be named later is Kristen Westfall went to the Thorns. That was way later. It was fourth round. That was fourth round. But you know, let's talk about Pew to Sky Blue. There's a lot of very positive things going around about Mallory Pugh and Sky Blue. And look, they've got Pew, they've got McCall Zerboni, they got Midge Purse. 
These are all players they added. I'm not necessarily sold that Mallory Pugh is going to go to New Jersey and tear it up, but I don't see any way with this deal having presented itself that you could have possibly not made that trade. No, I mean, she's made, even if she doesn't deliver any more than she ever did in Washington, I still think she improves them. She is good for some goals. She, she brings you some speed. Um, yeah, I think I think it's overall, I think you look at Sky Blue's roster and I think you can say that they're better. I think people are getting a little bit too excited. I think you need to slow down a little bit and really look at who they have and, and what they have and what they still don't have. Because I think there are some gaps there. Someone suggested to me today that they think they're going to play Imani Dorsey and Mitch Purse as their outside backs, which I think is just right for leaving a ton of space behind them. And so then, you know, who do you have in center back of Eric Ostrowski and what maybe their uh, second round pick, Kaylee Real, that's, you know, a rookie and, and a player who's, who's fine for the league. But if you're leaving them a ton of space to cover, I don't think they can do it. See, I don't like Purse or Dorsey as outside. I don't either. I mean, they're not terrible, but I prefer them farther up. I think if you played them up top with Pugh in the middle, although she's more of a wide player as well, but those three up top could could do some damage to some some defenses. I mean, I think if you... I mean, it's tricky because Killian and Zerboni are probably your defensive midfielders, right? I don't Mm -hmm. see either of them necessarily playing that much higher. I mean, is, unless you, I mean, Zerboni's not a center back, even though players her age maybe tend to drift back there. I think those are solid midfielders. You're missing a playmaker, right? Carly Lloyd can yeah. feed balls, but she's not the creative force that. Who's going to be that link? So we're thinking like maybe 4 2 3 1. But even that, I mean, I don't know where Pew fits in that. I would say, but where's that? Who's your one? You put Lloyd up top and then feed balls to her yeah, and let her poach? It's, it's tricky. It's tricky. But, I mean, I look, Purse and Dorsey, we talked about this last week. Purse and Dorsey outside. Well, I think whatever it is, I would like. I would rather them play the same line because I think it would make that line just explosively fast on mm-hmm. both sides and make it very difficult to defend. But I think they kind of need to play the same line. But, I, yeah, I don't think there's a full roster in place yet. You know, I was high on Skrosky when she was a rookie. What was that, 16? Christy Holly's first year, I think. Mm-hmm. And she just, I don't know, it hasn't really, I mean, I always wanted her in the middle, and they kept putting her on the outside. I, I still think there's a little bit left to do. I mean, they're far better than they were. They are. They are. But, I mean, I think they have to prove that they're better on the field. We know they're better on paper. I think we need to see the final product. I can't think about Mallory Pugh in the league, though, without thinking about her getting injured. I mean, I was doing her game, the last game she played for the Spirit, and she was playing very well, and then she tripped. I don't even think she tripped. I think she just rolled her ankle randomly, running after a ball at the top of the 18 and limped off. And then you think back to the Olympics when she got hurt. And, in fact, the Spirit, a couple years ago, their season really went in the tank when she got hurt in that Houston game. So that's three times right there that she's been hurt. I, I mean, there's other games where she's made an amazing impact, but I'm, I think she's got a lot to prove in terms of whether she can stay healthy and be an impact player week over week. Yeah, I, I would 100% agree with that. Um, but also, you know, you look at off the field value, I think she instantly brings a star power that they, they don't really get from anyone else but Carly Lloyd. And Lloyd's not going to be around there forever. And so this is a player that is going to put some, some butts in the seats there at, at Red Bull Arena and could be someone they could build around 
in the future. Yeah, I think they absolutely had to do it. And when you're a team like Sky Blue and you have all these picks, that's great. But at some point, you need to turn the picks into something. So unless you thought there was an absolute difference maker on the board at number four, well, they, it's, it's a trade you have to make. They certainly did better this year than last year. Well, yeah. They, I actually think they had a decent draft last year. Down draft. Yes. But the fact that Haley Mace said, I'm not coming, and then they made and the Julie pick. Ashley. And then they said, we think she'll be in preseason. Didn't now. Right, how about it from the spirit end? I don't think they lose a whole lot. You've kind of covered it. She hasn't really contributed to them on the field. I think if, if you look at the star power that supposedly they're losing, they've got Roosevelt, who, who's had a tremendous World Cup, came out as a, a bigger than ever. I think that's a player you can build around. They've got Andy Sullivan, someone I think is, is probably going you know, to continue on with the national team and really become another player they can build around. Um, as far as their draft goes, I'm very curious to see Ashley Sanchez and how she turns out as a pro. I was really big on her going into this draft. I'm not sure afterwards now that I've kind of said, let it settle a little bit and, and saw that, you know, she, like I said, kind of all thought she was going to go number two. She did fall a little bit. Orlando passed on her. Um, I wonder if she's ready for this level. It didn't seem like she was maybe super thrilled with the day. No, I would, I would think that's a fair thing to say. I mean, I got that more from you and from Twitter than from what I saw Yeah, I don't think she... I don't know why. I don't know whether it was when she went or the team she went to. I just think it was not what she anticipated when she declared for the draft. And, and she's someone who, you know, again, left school early to do this. To not get, you know, 99.9% .9 of these players that get drafted are, are super thrilled no matter what team they go to. They're just so excited to be drafted, and I didn't necessarily get that that sense from her. So it'll be interesting to see how Washington handles that. Well, if she really is disappointed that she went four, there's an interesting NFL game this weekend where Aaron Rodgers was maybe going to be picked number one by the 49ers and wound up falling to 25 for the Packers, and now they're playing for the right to go to the Super Bowl. But, you know, he was in the green room, and he was on television, and that's like 15 minutes in between picks. I mean, that's hours that he was sitting there waiting. And, you know, what? he basically used that to become one of the best. Not to say he wouldn't have been one of the best anyway, but if that's yeah. Ashley Sanchez's deal, then, you know, take it she, out on She the, has tremendous talent. Take it out on their opponents. Tremendous talent. Um, so we'll just see if she can, yeah, she can use that for fuel. But she, she has the talent, so I think... You know, I'm looking over here at their other picks, and I, I don't know a ton about every single one of them. I think they got solid picks. I don't see any, any stars there. I don't think they're going to have the rookie class that they had last season, but I also think their rookie class last season exceeded most expectations. Yeah, for sure. I think they, I think it pretty much maxed out what you could do with I mean, yeah. the four first-round picks. I don't know if you could really do better in year one. Now, you've seen Sanchez more than me. Does her, do her and Hatch work? Because I'm a big Ashley Hatch fan. I think you've got to have her around the right players. I think they can. I think they can complement each other. Yeah. I don't. I don't see that they're necessarily fire and ice. So yeah, I think so. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. All right. So uh, the fifth pick actually did stick with um, Sky Blue, and who did they take with the fifth pick? Evelyn Viens. Right. Don't Boy, know a ton I, about her, to be honest. That. Canadian. I think yes. the second Canadian to be taken yeah. in the top five. I know uh, Rebecca Quinn went three to Washington. 
All right, so that's, that is really how the draft began. began. It was a wild first half hour or so. It was pretty calm after that, some timeouts, but really no moves, I don't think, again, until the fourth round. And nothing major, and, yeah. Right, nothing major. Uh, but we'll come back and we'll talk about some of the other teams. The Red Stars went from five first-round picks to zero. So we'll talk about that and uh, maybe see if Orlando is getting ready to move up the table as it seems like they're kind of confident that they will. Yes. You are listening to the Equalizer Podcast live on Podcast Row at the Baltimore Convention Center. Back on Podcast Row at the Baltimore Convention Center a few hours after the conclusion of the Wild 2020 NWSL Draft. And uh, if you're just listening to us for the first time, check us out on the web at EqualizerSoccer.com. And for premium content, EqualizerSoccer.com slash subscribe. And we'll have tons of draft content for you as we've had in the lead up to the draft. Broke some of the things that were going on around the draft. Uh, So check us out, EqualizerSoccer.com and EqualizerSoccer.com slash subscribe. And a friendly reminder to please rate and review the Equalizer podcast today. Chelsea, the Red Stars accrued four extra picks for this draft. And beginning with the Savannah McCaskill trade, during last season, they went down to four, and they were down to three, and they were down to two. Then they moved from four or five up to two, three, and then very quickly got right out of the first round. Now, they're sitting on four again for next year. Part of that is protection against expansion, which happens every year, and then it doesn't happen, and they keep paying it forward. This is the first year I'm a little baffled, though, by what they did. Well, how so? I think they really need to fix, not fix, they need to replace what Sam Kerr took with them. And I think they had a lot of assets and didn't do a good enough job of it. Um, it's interesting, and maybe, and, and maybe if they end up spending all this allocation money that they're accruing on a player later, that it will be all worth it. We kind of don't know how that's going to turn out. I suspect it won't. Well, when we found out today, ironically enough, yeah, you don't have to use allocation money on player salaries. You can use allocation money for other elements of your organization. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's literally new news that came about today. So. Who knows? I think it's, you know, you, when we first heard it, it's like, all right, you're getting allocation money. Who are you looking at? Kind of like when you trade for an international pick. But now it's like, well, yeah. maybe we're, you know, maybe there's something else going on. Exactly. But they could. They, they could. could. They could. So, but you look at the players that they've kind of brought on up top. You know, Rachel Hill, Kalia Ojai. I'm like, you're, you're getting players that haven't really lived up to expectations. And I think Rory James is a good coach, and I think he develops players very well, and it could be that he gets more out of these players than what they were previously giving, but I just don't see someone being their, their difference maker or their, their go-to scorer anymore. Maybe, maybe they need, that's what they need to, to spread it out, because they've always kind of had, or Sam Kerr, it was Kristen Press, they've always had right. that person up top that was, you knew was going to get fed the ball. And, and maybe, in fairness now, Ojai and Hill, and Doniak are probably, maybe not Doniak, but Ohio and Hill for sure, will be playing in front of the best midfields they've ever played in front of by a long, by a wide margin. For sure. They are, yeah, they're going to get better service, but it's 
so they're going to be getting the ball more. Can they then turn that, though, into the final product? I have questions right. about I, that. I have questions, too. And, look, I'm not in favor of making the, you know, making the grab for a player just because you think you need to add the player. But, I mean, should they have stayed and taken Sanchez? Or did um, they not rate her high enough for that? Again, now it's back to... Am I the only one who has questions maybe about her ability to adapt right now at this level? Maybe I'm not. Because, again, she did fall. She ended up going at four. And everyone going into the draft thought she was going to be number two. Um, I do want to point out, Chicago did draft uh, Julia Bingham, um, who I'm pretty high on. And I think added what I feel like is a need as far as some defensive depth. I think they're pretty shallow. On, on defense after their starters are gone and you have a potential to lose three of those three. starters yep. to the Olympics. So I, I think that was a good a good haul. Um, and he said, I think I said this in the first segment, but I think I didn't speak to Rory after the draft, but I think he said something that they got their two top defensive targets, which is feasible because there are no defenders in the first round, I don't think, right? Wasn't no, Real was, the first defender or whoever? Who, no, no uh, who Tanya Plummer yeah, there you go. at 10. Was the and first defender, real. who incidentally I'm also pretty high on. Okay, so that that's Orlando got that pick, right? Yes. So and Orlando desperately, I mean, Mark Skinner was not mincing words today. No. About how poor not their defending was. About the goals, the soft goals they gave up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, they've gotten that's clearly been a focus for them. I think they still have work to do. And he also admitted that the midfield was going to be a big focus for them. That was why they were so big on um, Taylor Korniak. They got Kanye Plummer, who I think is, is going to be crucial when the Olympics come around. You're losing one, if not both, of your starting center backs. Um, so I think she, she'll slot right in there, and I think she's she's pretty talented and has, has a lot to give. And she's also, that's where she played college, too, so she's kind of, in one sense, a hometown girl. She's obviously, she's Jamaican as well, but, you know, she has the kind of, she'll have some of that crowd behind her, and that's always, always good, I think, for teams to get local players. I think we've seen Chicago utilize that very well, and I would like to see other other teams do that more often. So maybe that's a step in the right direction from yeah, that point know, of view. You know, it's funny because the Breakers tried that, even going back to Tom Durkin, and it didn't work per se. The Red Stars do it, and they do it well. It, again, and it goes back to the, the capabilities of the coach. And I've, I've said for a while, I still don't think we know exactly what Mark Skinner is capable of. Um, now, to go back to their trade, kind of think Orlando gave up a little bit too much to get into the back to the number three yes well what you, I think is it down there you yeah. they get the 2021 pick allocation money and another pick or two in this draft so the Chicago got Rachel Hill the 19th Hill. pick in this draft and the first round pick in next year's draft and allocation money the Pride got the third overall pick and then the 26th overall pick in this year so okay. that's you know, Chicago gets two, you know, a, a first round pick and a, what is it, 19, third round pick, a player and allocation money. Orlando gets a first round pick and a third round pick. So I, I think they got, but again, if, if they're neat, we've talked about this on, on last week's pod. If one team is needy, one team has, has room to give. And we've seen it happen over and over and over again. Yeah, I think when you trade up into the third pick, you better make that pick work because you're pick, trading up to get somebody specific. Now, no different than yeah. Washington, especially when you're giving up Mallory Pugh, trading in to get Ashley Sanchez. You These players better work out 
Yeah, and I, I have high hopes for, for who they got, um, and I mean, time will tell. I think the question for Orlando was, did they get better enough? Did, did they get enough better personnel-wise? I mean, I think they still have work to do, and I talked to Mark Skinner afterwards for a little while, and he admits that they still have work to do. There, there are trades still to happen. They've got some, some outside players they're looking to they have their eye on. So there, there is work to do, yeah. And he knows it. We know it. Everybody knows and it. And on the Chicago front, are you in agreement with me or no? That they maybe didn't get enough out of those five first-round picks. I don't... I can't say for sure until they didn't... If they don't do anything as far as acquiring a player with the allocation money, then no, they didn't They didn't get enough. Okay, now... Otherwise, you're just you're stockpiling what's well, real money, but it's not going to buy anything on the field unless you actually go and buy someone with now it. Now, they also have McCaskill, who they did get with one of those first-round picks, and Katie Johnson. So let's not forget them yeah, when we're but, talking. Now, again, it's all secondary score. But Katie Johnson is still, I guess, one of those players who I thought was really good initially in Seattle. Thought if she could do, you know, you and I talked about this last time, thought if she could do what she did off the bench as a starter, she could be really impactful. And she did not even she's, close to that last season. She's More. not done that for, for any team she's played with since, including Chicago. McCaskill, I, I still think her ceiling is very high. And I think she was better in Chicago than she was for Sky Blue. I, I'm not sure she's better enough. She hasn't gotten back really in that national team picture, and I thought for sure um, when she first was in, you know, coming out of college that she had national team written all over her. Me too, and I think the national team thought that. She has the skill set. 100%. She, she has the, the ability to be that player. She's very different from a lot of players that we play, see. She can play high pressure. She can possess the ball. She she's, can pass she's a, the ball. A lot like Rose Lavelle in the sense that I think we don't see players like that very often with the skill set that they have. She's not a run and gunner. She, she can mix it up a little bit. She can play in a variety of places, and she's very creative. You just have to see it. Where I don't know where that went, but it's kind of been it's fallen by the wayside. So, TBD. Well, he'll definitely have options. And he's got a bunch of first-round picks again for Which next year. Which he'll probably turn into more so trades. We will see what happens. Now, who haven't we mentioned yet? Uh, Utah is an interesting one because they traded back into the first round a couple days ago. And in talking to their people, they maybe, in fact, not maybe, Stephanie Lee, their GM, said you're going to start seeing Utah higher up in the draft. And it's so interesting because we're back in Baltimore, and we already mentioned Mackenzie Doniak. Doniak was in the draft last time we were here, 2016, and there was thought that she might go number two. And I talked to Laura Harvey before the draft, and she said, Don, I said, tell me something that's going to happen in the draft that's going to surprise people. She said, Doniak's going to slip way down the board. And the first round ended, and I bumped into her in the hallway, and she said, I told you. She said, now she'll get picked, and she was the first pick of the second round. Laura Harvey every year was good for a huge draft nugget, the only thing she couldn't do was turn high picks <laughs> into, into good stuff. But, but I think the Royals are going to start to turn the corner here. Like Orlando jumped back in with the three pick, but now they don't have a first-round pick mm -hmm. again for next year. The Dash, or I think the Dash are still good for their first-round pick next year. But, the, I mean, the Dash were kind of – you talked to him too, I think, James Clark. I did and they for were, a while. Yeah. But I feel like they were just kind of hovering around. I'm not sure what they did today. Yeah, I asked him, you know, about why, you know, why he didn't really get into that, and he said they kind of had had some the players targeted that they wanted. Um, I think Bridget Andrzejewski is a great pick for them. She's very, very versatile. 
She can play up top. They have a couple of options up top. She can also fill in as, as an outside back and, and do that rather well. And I think that's... I kind of asked him where she would play, and he didn't really... He just kind of said, we'll see how it works out. But I think that that's a valuable option, especially if you consider for sure at least Alicia Chapman will be at the Olympics. Um, they're a work in progress. Again, I was told, more trades. They've got their eyes on some, some players from other leagues. Famous last, famous parting exactly. of the draft I, day. I do think I could probably, if I, I'm not going to say it here, but I think I could, I could pin down one or two of those. So I do think those are actually going to gonna happen. I think that they still have some work to do. I think that their focus is on defense, and I think that's great, but I'm not convinced by that midfield. I think that's being overlooked. Uh, the Courage stayed at six and drafted Allie Watt. Yeah, which is very interesting. I am a huge fan of Allie Watt. I've watched her very closely for a long time. Um, I think she's developed strictly really in the last two years. It's more of a complete forward, and she is 100% a person who can deliver at this level, I'd, I'd be shocked if she, she flamed out. The weird thing for me is she's a very fast forward and they have a lot of very fast forwards. And I would have thought they'd want to get some midfield depth because you could boot, they, they, they're a little bit thinner now. Without McCall Zerboni, they're gonna lose most of that to the Olympics, I mean, likely. And I also thought maybe some, some defensive depth. I'm still not sure, you know, it's being reported on Twitter that Paul Riley plans to use Haley Mace as a center back, and I would have thought she she would have slotted in at right back. So now my question is, are, who are they going to play at right back? Um, well, I know they liked Harbison, who was their pick last year, who got hurt as an outside back. I saw the thing on Twitter too, or maybe you told me about I it. I did but tell you about it. I don't think that means that like Mace is the center back for. Well, no, I mean she's also because they're going to lose center backs to the Olympics too, so maybe she'll get time there. Maybe she. I mean, can she? And maybe she's a utility player. Yeah. Ultimately, which I think she's she's good for. She's another extremely versatile player. I just I've never. She's a perfectly good center back. I just think you lose what she brings on offense when you play her as a center back, and I think she's she's a good threat going forward too. I think they took Watt because they feel like they're in a position to just take the best player. And she was she was. I mean, she's she's 100% a first round draft pick. I think. She wasn't going to fall very much further. Um, so yeah, it'll be. I mean, but I also think she fits right in at North Carolina. She is the type of player that Paul Riley likes. She's a former track star, so we know he's <laughs> he's got success with those. Yeah, I think when he first got to that team, they were so fast he didn't really know how to handle it. Yeah, and then you also like you're the, the defending champions and shield winners for two years in a row. Like, can you really? Put, yeah, they have some some depth issues but they don't have any glaring needs like most other teams yeah that's why you can pretty now I, what's weird was that they traded into that pick not today but a couple days back last week or so that made it a little bit unusual that they maybe didn't know exactly who they wanted but i think they thought the draft was at least six deep and they would just get a really good player but you also you know just like rory dames paul right we all know expansions coming next year maybe paul riley is, is hedging on that and, and gathering some players. He knows he's going to lose some of his allocated players unless things change drastically in the next year. So you kind of have to start acquiring not only pieces to either cover for those allocated players that you lose or pieces that you can trade to prevent that from happening. I think we've covered, we've touched on every team at least a little bit. Royals, Red Stars, Pride, Dash. We have. Sky Blue. How about Rio? Back to that pick at 11. Um, I had seen her very high on people's boards. I, a steal or did 
at everybody one, else owned something, Sky Blue didn't. No, at one point, um, I had Real as my number one pick when Orlando had it because I thought she she filled a need they needed desperately. This was prior to the Emily Sonnet trade and, and obviously them losing the number one pick. Um, I was surprised, and a lot of people were surprised. And at some point backstage, I finally asked around and was told um, that most of the coaches think she's too slow for the NWSL. Her speed is a concern. So I still think she's, she's going to be an instant starter for Sky Blue in the back, unless I'm just vastly mistaken. I think in the that, middle? Yes, I think you line her up with Trotsky. Um, I'm not sure if Mandy Freeman is going to be back or not. That was a pretty bad end. That's a torn Achilles. Yeah, That's a pretty so serious injury. I think Real can deliver. She, she, she was called into the identification camp in December with the senior national team. She's been a youth international team regular for, on every level. I rate her very highly, but again, that is the concern, is her speed. Well, if that's true, that's a problem, because you can't overcome it. That is a problem. It. No. You, you, well, Becky Sauerbrunn can. All right, but Becky Sauerbrunn, <laughs> is, she's not that slow, and she's one of the best defenders of all yeah, time. Yeah, you, you can overcome it to an extent with your positioning and your ability to read the game, uh, both of which Becky Sauerbrunn does extremely well. That's, that's the rare case. All right, we will come back. We will uh, we put out a call for some uh, commentary, so to speak, on the draft. So we'll read through some of that and finish up some analysis live from Podcast Row. Chelsea and Dan on episode 92 of the Equalizer Podcast. Third and final segment of the Equalizer podcast. It's episode 92. Chelsea and Dan are doing the broadcast on Podcast Row at the Baltimore Convention Center. Third segment means it's time for the Equalizer Soccer Sports Reference Stat of the Week, brought to you by our friends at Sports Reference. Check out their ever-growing catalog of women's sports statistics on the web at fbref.com. That's fbref.com. And today, five new schools got welcomed into the NWSL first-round club. Washington State, Colorado, South Florida, Texas A&M, and NC State. That brings the total number of schools to have a player selected in the first round to 36 in the eight years that we've now had an NWSL draft. More than I thought, I must admit. Also, with a seventh first-round pick, total for both UCLA and Stanford this year. Uh, they break a tie with Florida State for the most players ever selected in the first round. And yes, UNC only has two, both back in 2014. So that is your Equalizer Soccer Sports Reference Stat of the Week brought to you by our friends at Sports Reference. Check them out at fbref.com. And if you're wandering around the convention, uh, you may or may not bump into Jacqueline Mahoney from Sports Reference. And I can confidently say that, Chelsea, because everywhere she goes, she says, I am Jacqueline Mahoney from Sports Reference. True. Very gregarious person. Good person. Um, back to the draft quickly before the Q&A. Did Sky Blue reach for the goalkeeper? Not in that she was the best or not. The keeper game is a little weird. But I feel like their backup spot was the, is the only real keeper, blatant keeper opening in the league. Did they need to do it? Yeah, I don't. I don't think they needed to to waste a draft spot on a on a keeper that they they could have just gone up to after the draft and been like, hey, what's up? There's yeah. there's a lot I mean, of they good might keepers not have out her, there because that could have gone elsewhere. But that I think you can win that job, and Sheridan's probably at the Olympics, 
So I, I wouldn't be surprised if she plays a little bit. Yeah. No, I think that there was there was a need for Sky Blue, and at least they identified that. But they, they didn't need to use a draft spot. There's a lot of good keepers out there that they, they probably, probably could have enticed to come around. They could have had conversation with any one of these college keepers because there were multiple ones in the draft and, and said, hey, I'm not going to draft you, but we would like you to come to camp or, or, you know, explain this, that, or the other. So, yeah, most of the time you don't need to draft a keeper. And, by the way, I asked the Abby Smith question today to the Utah people. And they gushed on and on about how Abby Smith's going to compete with Nicole Barnard, and she's going to be one of the best in the world. So at least they're selling right now. Abby Smith will be there in preseason with the Royals. Let's take some uh, questions. Denise Duffy said, hey, EQZ Pod. Thank you, Denise, for using the hashtag. Yes, this thank one you was very much. Too. What qualities are you looking for in the next NWSL commissioner? By the way, is that the position title? I don't even know. At the moment, yes, they're looking for a commissioner. It's got to be a visionary, and it's got to be someone that can publicly sell the league or find someone else to publicly sell the league if that's not their MO. I mean, I would like it to be a human with a pulse. We haven't had one of those as a commissioner in a while because we haven't had a commissioner commissioner. in a while. Um, I think someone who's communicative, who, who is understanding that they're a figurehead and they're going to get blamed for things and they're going to get credit for things in probably equal measure and neither one of which will be up there anything to do but I, I really want someone who is transparent open will, shows up to all the events and will talk to us and, and really give a non-political answer when, when questions are asked and getting a little deeper someone that can manage the owners yes they're not easy to manage no no they the commissioner needs to be running the league not not the owners um, good book, by the way, and I know some people don't like how many re- NFL references they make on this pod. I don't either. But there's a good book called The Making of the Super Bowl, which was written by the guy who was one of Pete Rozelle's top PR guys for many, many years. And there's a lot of good insight in there into how Pete Rozelle kind of helped manage the NFL ownership group at the time. I think we need somebody similar to that. So thanks for the question, Denise, and for using the hashtag. Brandon Holmes, draft day in the books, and I have two questions. When are team rosters locked in place? Can we expect more significant moves in the coming weeks? Team rosters are never locked in place. More significant well, moves, yeah. there are some roster freeze dates. Yeah, but there's... They, it's only for a limited time, though. Yeah, but I mean, you can, even if you make, you know, when you set your roster, you can make a cut before opening day. True. Um, there will be more significant moves, yes. I don't know yes. if there'll be trades. Although you mentioned the dash, maybe you're going to be in the trade I market. I think there's going to cease. I mean, I don't know what your definition of significant is, but there are definitely going to be trades. I, I would be willing to put money on that. How much? I don't have much, to <laughs> honest. I write about what's so damn. What do you think I have? <laughs> have any teams done enough so far to seriously challenge the courage? Um, somebody asked that to Parsons because Parsons said that everything they do is to catch mm-hmm. the courage. And he gave, I mean, it's probably the politically correct answer. It's going to be really hard to catch the courage. I think he was being honest. Good, I mean, even I think the Gorns have made some good moves, but I think they're still still assuming that the courage continue to deliver at the, the level they have. Because they, they did take a bit of a dip last year, but they, they by the end, you know, they were, they were pulling away and pretty... Um, 
I'm sorry, somebody just fell on the escalator and I was watching it and I got distracted That's and I lost my train of thought. That's what happens when we're live on podcast row. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think that the, the Courage are still probably the best team in the league right now. I think a lot of it depends on whether they can continue on with that mentality because at some point you've got to just have a little bit of a letdown. You would think, and like Dag said, they weren't as good last year, but they certainly were still the best team, undoubtedly. All right, Isabella Valeriano Munson. When will they? When will they? I guess when will they announce who the Rain traded to the Thorns for the fourth round pick? We're pretty confident that's Kristen Westfall. Yes. Um, Liz Fleur ninety one said something, but I don't know what that is. But thanks for chiming in. Um, I jo- know, right? That's oh, what that, that means. Must, that was a response to, <laughs> yeah. a, to, a, to the other question, I guess. Uh, Joshua Agbuike. It was cray cray. That was a, that's the draft. Where does Sky Blue stand in terms of being competitive this upcoming season? I think they're better. I, I think that we need to slow down on thinking they're they're going to run away with the league and challenge Sky Blue. I think that they still have some holes, and that they need to prove that they, that roster on paper can coalesce. And then I have questions if if they do in fact play Dorsey in person defense. You think that deep down? better off Pew doesn't go to the Olympics? I don't just mean because they'd have her there, but for her development. I, I think so. If, if she goes to the Olympics, I don't think, I mean, I guess she's going to be one of the last subs. I think she's pretty pretty low in the depth chart right now. And I think maybe just playing consistently and being able to stay healthy, which not playing as many games and traveling with the national team is bound to help. Getting just a good, consistent season under her belt can only do her good. Uh, Adrian Tucker, I think Sky Blue FC is going to be a serious contender this season with the moves they made. Purse is versatile enough to be an outside back or center forward, and she has the speed to keep up with the NCC attack. Pugh and Lloyd combining should be absolute fire up top. Well done, Elise LaHue and Freya. That's Freya Coombe, the head coach. I mean, all correct. I just don't know that they're a serious contender yet. And they also have a very unproven coach. And I'll be rooting for her. I've liked my interactions with her so far. Um, but, you know, she's sometimes this game comes down to the little thing. I think that's kind of what Mark Skinner was saying today even. That, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to learn to win even when we're not maybe the better team. And I don't, that's the thing. I think that's what Sky Blue missed under Denise Reddy. Is she, you know, she could tell you after every game about how well they played. But at some point you've got to come home with three points. And, they and were, sometimes she was right. Sometimes, not as often. I didn't think it was as often as she did. That's sometimes true. she was right, but you got to figure out how to come home with three points when you're not playing your best. Sometimes, and I think that's a missing element for Sky Blue. So we'll see what happens because this is a coach that other coaches, let's face it, they're gonna be nice and put her on the text thread. They're gonna look to exploit every weakness that she might have. All right, here's why we love uh, women's soccer. Liz Fleur 91 says, and I, basically that we put out. Tell us your thoughts on the draft. Sanchez not going to and her reaction. And then NWSLLULZ says Ashley Sanchez going at number four is the steal of the draft and will win Rookie of the Year in Washington as their premier scorer alongside Hatch, who, by the way, is already a Rookie of the Year. Could happen. It could. It could. I mean, I, I it's too early to say who would be Rookie of the Year. And I, typically the Rookies of the Year... Historically, have not really been the best rookie. I would say. Well, this is true. We, I mean, we. 
We don't need to go revisit yeah. awards from last year. Uh, Denise Duffy, again, I like that they had didn't use the hashtag this time, ironically enough. Um, but we love you, Denise. I like that they had different presenters. I would have used that more to recognize lead corporate sponsors, of which there needs to be more. <laughs> That's a really, really solid point. This I actually loathe corporate sponsor presenters because they tend to mess up names and basic facts about leagues. That's a pretty good point. Well, but some of the presenters, they had did that anyway. Well, yes. Well, one of the players yes. almost said the wrong team. <laughs> That's true. When, uh, when they were thanking people, so... All right, Sonia, kind of surprised Tegan Micah wasn't drafted. Maybe no team really needed a keeper, but I think she has a future somewhere. After all, she made Olympic qualifying for Australia. Um, I don't know if she's an international, but inter you're not spending an international on a keeper that's not a top-of-the-line keeper. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked already about really don't need to draft keepers very rarely. No, no team needs a starting quality keeper. I think Tegan Micah is a very good keeper, and we'll find a home somewhere. Probably not in NWSL, just for the simple fact that most teams are pretty set on keepers. But I think she is she is a good player. Do we know if she's an international? I think she is. All right, JS. I honestly wonder what these athletes are thinking. Do they want to go to the courage where they might not see playing time? Do they want to avoid a team from the bottom of the table? I have a lot of issues with this question, but I'm going to let you go first. I mean... First of all, the players don't really have a choice. <laughs> Most of them are Most of them. not having a choice in where they're going to go. But I think it's, a, it's kind of an age-old debate, though, isn't it? Is it better to be surrounded by the best environment, even if you're not? To, uh, to a certain extent, I think that helps. But I think that consistent game time is probably more important, especially for a young player. But don't the players need to make the best of what they get? Yeah. Because if you, all right, so we don't want to go to the courage. We don't want to go to the bottom of the table. So that leaves what? Chicago. And even Chicago's very deep in some positions. So that leaves Chicago, Portland, Seattle. I mean, yeah, so I guess you're looking at the middle of the table where you can think you can play more, but you're not terrible. I mean, I don't know what. I mean, I understand that some of the things that have gone on in this league have been worse than they should ever be. But if I get, if I feel like if I'm a good player and I get drafted to a bottom of the table team, I'm going to be, my mentality is going to be, let's go. I'm going to be part of the solution. It needs to be. I mean, I, you know, there are certain, I think Sky Blue being the exception of there were definitely off the field issues that no player wanted to go to, and, and rightfully so. And that's why certain players didn't, you know, chose not to go there. But otherwise, you have an opportunity that so many, that probably hundreds of other players in this country at, would have killed for there's a lot of undrafted players out there and even more that didn't even declare because they didn't think they really had a chance so it doesn't matter what team you go to yeah i would think you would jump in 100 percent because i think it's still kind of a novel thing to be a professional women's soccer player in this country it's not like it's Hopefully it's not it something is. that should be taken for granted i would like to see at some point maybe we get some free agency and then you put in your time and then you get a chance to go different places but is it not? Yeah. maybe these teams don't want all every player that wants to go there either all right last one i believe dan smith thorns going one two was a big surprise and still wondering if there is a backdoor plan to get done together with her husband the big player to be named later turned out to be pew was also big news finally it feels like there are a lot more there, there are a lot more moves coming the done thing is a reference to the fact that her husband now lives in Portland. And works for the Thorns. And somebody put this out, and Paul Riley said that it was... Puppycock! 
total poppycock. Um, I think it would be the worst move this league has ever seen if the Courage send Crystal done to the Thorns. I think she's the best player in the league. I, yeah, I don't disagree. I think that if Crystal Dunn wants to be in Portland, then Crystal Dunn is going to be in Portland. I don't see, I, I get wanting to be with her husband, but if she, if it, I mean, this is all conjecture. None of this is coming from Dunn herself. I would let her go back to Europe. Like, I would, I would do what the Spirit did and just let her go. I would not trade her to Portland. And it's not because I don't believe that she has a right to be by her husband. And, and look, this is just conjecture here. This is not going to happen. How do you trade your best player to your top rival? I mean, why do you trade your best player to anybody? Well, that, that's also true. Unless she's unhappy, which is pretty obvious that she's not. It does not seem that way. No, and, and why would... She has such a good thing going for her in, in North Carolina. She's winning. She's playing very well. She's not playing outside back. I'm not saying Portland player there, but... She's in a good position, a good fit for her in their system. She fits right in. She is the Paul Riley type of player, 100%. Now we keep asking who's going to be the courage right back. We have not mentioned the Crystal Dunworth. Do not even go there, <laughs> Daniel. I swear to God. I don't, I don't think it happens. Um, closing thoughts? I think this draft was fun. I mean, it, it obviously slowed down, but that first, first round was just kind of wild. Um, I don't know that anyone really just... You know, we usually we grade these. I don't know if I can say it right now. Maybe it just the dust needs to settle a bit. But I don't know if I can say that one team really ran away with the draft, except for maybe Portland just because they had the number one and number two picks. But I also don't know that any team completely tanked. They, they all got some, some pieces that I think they needed and kind of see where it goes from there. Well, it's an interesting calendar for this league because we start the year with the draft. Everybody's always in a good mood after the draft those moods tend to start to deteriorate <laughs> right about as soon as the season starts. We did get uh, some Twitter reports opening day, April 17, 18, and the season will be into uh, November this year. So that's pretty much next up on the horizon. But uh, I guess we'll be back next week, and we'll all have different angles to... Yeah, it'll change all the time, I'm sure. ...to come at. So I guess that's about it. Uh, we're live on uh, Podcast Row with Episode 92 of the Equalizer Podcast. For Chelsea Bush, I'm Dan Lauletta. Thanks for listening. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.